0: Yeah, so like if you—do
1: I spilt water in the hallway? Oh, did you? On Is the that stairs. I was like, you and i its all over my pants, and I'm wet. I'm a wet piss pant man right now. You yeah. know. I spilt water all over my body. It's just another day in the office. <laughs> That's true. Jeff, it could've been worse. You could've pooped your pants again. It's either water or shit on you. Oh. One or the
0: other. Pretty much every day. Well, uh, <laughs> You're like a two-year-old. <laughs>
1: That was one of the meanest moments we've ever had. The words were mean, but the face of what you did was so piercing. I thought you understood. No, I don't understand, you know. Yeah. No feedback <laughs> protection. It's going to be a loud one. Hey, Jeff. What? What do you want to talk about? Do you need balsa today? No, I ooh, I did have balsa. <clears throat> Welcome to a perfectly acceptable podcast, episode 162, the first real Dang. podcast of 2020. Oh, that's true. Right, I guess no. Last year we last 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 yeah last week we did fun intros. Uh, I was Diamond Jeff, and um, Uh where every Tuesday we get a whole bunch of books and uh, bring them back to the comic shop that we own and run and have fun at, and uh, you know we uh, come up here into the old pap cave on the sky. The apartment that we moved up to after saving up all those rooster ducats and trade them in. Traded them in at the bank for a pap cave in the sky. In the sky, that's where we are. I'm Jeff, and I would like to report a crime. My business partner, Django Boren, stabbed me in the palm of my hand with a Pilot G2 pin and drew blood, and now it itches, and I can see the wound. Gee, yeah. I can can see uh, the wound from here. Is it bleeding? Yeah.
0: That means it's cleaning. If it 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 bleeds, it cleans.
1: And if it itches, (laughs) it's healing. Okay. Oh.
0: Didn't you have any hippies growing up? No, I'm Django. You better watch the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> I got my pen with me.
1: Do you? I really love Pilot G2s. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, you like them so much, you put it inside your palm.
1: I'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna unbutton my <laughs> shirt.
2: Yeah. I'm Roman. I'm I'm standing as far away from Django as I can. Coward. Coward. That's right. Coward. Cowards live to fight another day.
1: Well, I'm going to talk about the spoiler (laughs) books because I'm trying to take everything from Django tonight.
2: Yeah, we're going to
1: spoil some books. They're sponsored by Django's a Jerk. (laughs) Issue one, Batman '86. Number two, Daphne Byrne. Number three, Marvel's X. Number one. Don't number number four. (laughs) Dying is easy. Number two. Number five, White Ash. Number one. Number six, Star. Number one. Number seven. Firefly. The Outlaw Mall Reynolds, number one. Numbers eight. <laughs> <laughs> Turtles. 101. <laughs> number nine. Venom, 22, number 10, Savage Avengers, number 9.
0: I like this thing you're doing. Shut up. I hope you don't <laughs> cut anything out of your... Uh. Eat my butt.
1: <laughs> I only eat boutsa now, Jeff. <laughs> More like butsa. Oh, Put your books away from me. My left boutsa cheek. Yeah, eat my boutsa. Oh, wait, I ate it all tonight. Welcome to Jeff's Zone. Welcome to the Zone, everyone. It's t- straight talk. Let's get it done.
0: Are those the books we're going to spoil? Yeah. All right. Which one do you want to spoil first?
1: I already told everybody. Oh,
0: number one. Number
1: one, which (laughs) is number 86. Eat my butt. Eat my butt.
2: This is what it looks like when doves cry.
1: Prince? Oh, we got to add that to the list. No, you (laughs) two. Listen. Who's performing at the fucking Super Bowl this year? Uh, Um, Prince? Shut up. (laughs) okay that was as long as i was exploring that character i
0: don't like that character
1: one bit one butt one butt eat my bit (laughs) i want to go out drinking with him get back into the intro bring it around again we work
0: and live at a comic shop and we own a comic shop and we we smell like a comic shop and we bleed in a comic shop we make the comic shop smell like it smells you're welcome. Most yeah, of the that time. is
1: mostly Django Roman and I that make it smell the way it smells. <laughs> all right, guys, we gotta get this on the rail. Oh yeah, listen, it's Jeff. Nine? Ten. Nine? It's ten. ten books. Ten no, books. No, it was nine. Nine. Maybe it was ten. Uh, Number eighty. Rewind the tape. Yeah, the, 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 the
2: <laughs> Dark Knight's most dangerous story yet, ever after 70 years.
1: Okay, so the big thing, the big thing everyone wants to hear about, the reason we're all here, the reason for the season—they changed a whole year from 2019 to 2020 to make it so we could get a new writer on Batman. James Tinian IV is here with Tony Daniels. And really, the only thing that we have to know is what Django thought about Batman number 86. New creative team. Tom King's done. They ousted him. Get out of here, Tom. No one likes your book.
0: I just I read it today. <laughs> oh? I liked it a I love lot more than book. I expected to.
1: I liked it more than I thought I was going to also.
0: Um, I really like the art.
1: Yeah, me too. The art was very nice. Roman, art, love it, like it, don't like it?
2: I, I, I did like the art. Is it Though I didn't Kittini? know what these red lines are here. Oh, T- Tomu Mori. Tomu is Mori does the, the, coloring. the coloring.
0: And oh. I think this is gorgeous colors, like the, the early shot of, yeah. of Batman against the city, like a red Batman against a green Gotham. Um, <clears throat> the story was okay. I I have no love for Deadshot. Deadshot? Deathstroke. Death, yeah, that's how much I care about Deathstroke.
1: I agree. I also, my eyes glaze over when he comes on.
0: Yeah, like... He always talks about how he's the best he is at what he does, and he thinks ten times faster than, he, than most mortal men. But, man, Batman kicks his ass often. Yeah, a lot of people doesn't do, doesn't even actually. talk about it. Yeah. Like, every superhero in the DC universe should be dead if he's that good at what he does.
1: I agree. I agree. I liked it more than I thought I was. I worked really hard while reading it to not let any of the meta stuff, like, get in into it.
0: Just pretend it's Detective Comics. Yeah.
1: Well it felt exactly like detective comics. Yeah. Like it it that is one feeling I had was like this doesn't really feel like I don't know. I guess that to me and historically speaking detective <clears throat> started before Batman. So I guess it should be the main pillar book, but the main yeah. Batman to me feels like the main Bat book and this didn't feel like this was a great way of headlining. There's nothing new happening here at all and i don't think that everyone wants something new all the time but i really appreciated the tom king thing for being a new take on batman and doing something new i guess that when you have something like innovation like that you do need to you know maybe go back to something that is a little bit more stereotypical like as i was reading this and going through it i was like this is a perfectly acceptable comic book it was better than i was sort of frustrated at it thinking it was going to be and um
0: I heard, and I don't know if this is true, but I heard that Harley Quinn is supposed to be his Robin in this run. That's what I've heard also. I'm not super excited about that. Also, you know, if the last six months have taught us anything, is that I'm open to, I'm, I'm Quinn curious.
1: <laughs> I didn't like the beginning of Tom King's, that was very clever, Jenga. Thanks, Jeff. Um, I didn't like the beginning of Tom <clears throat> King's Batman run. So I, I want to, you know, let, let this thing be what it is. I really like um, Tony Daniels' art. This felt just like a pretty forgettable Batman story, but it was better than I was ready for myself to feel like it was. I do like the idea
0: of Bruce having a plan to change the city's architecture to help lower crime and make things, make things better in Gotham. Uh, I don't think that's the first time we've heard that he has this plan. I think there was the Batman City of Light uh, miniseries that came out 20 years ago okay. that had a similar conceit and there was somebody else there there was a I think early in the shadow of the bat so like 30 years ago they were blowing up buildings to reveal Gotham's old architecture
2: I, I hope they continue the thing in this where Bannon keeps reminiscing about how Alfred would bring up these things like how you know with your money and resources basically you could give up being Batman and put all your money into actual big societal municipal changes. And I hope, I hope that kind of Alfred's as his conscience keeps on interrupting. Cause that was my favorite part of this issue.
1: Yeah. Although that is kind of the, <clears throat> what Batman's grave has been about as well, has been Alfred doing that same oh. conversation. Yeah.
2: There've
0: there been a few books that approach that,
1: but you know, like, at least this one's drawn by Tony Daniels. I just wish we'd have, have a
2: have a mini series where we actually Bruce Wayne actually did all that yeah. and we saw it over like the course of like a decade.
1: I think White and Knight him make <clears throat> real changes. Yeah, that actually that time yeah. frame would be great. White Knight, I can't think touched on that in a pretty interesting way, which like Joker actually is doing what Batman's never done.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, why hasn't Bruce just bought the entire neighborhood that Crime Alley is in and upgraded it? Right. It's cuz he likes to wallow in his pain. Yeah, it's cuz it's, he, yeah. he doesn't want to fix himself. He likes to these bad guys. Uh, the, the speaking of not super new, the epilogue is basically uh, an opening scene for the Joker. Batman movie. The, uh, the Dark Knight. Oh. Where, like, a bunch of clowns in masks do a thing, and then yeah. one of them kills them one at yeah. a time. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. What were you just yeah. going to say?
2: Oh, that the Deathstroke thing in here. You know, all this time has passed, and there's still, we were talking about this this afternoon, Jeff and I, that... There's been, like, two des- good Deathstroke stories, the Judas Contract with the Titans and the Identity Crisis where he defeats the entire Justice League, except Superman's not there. And other than that, it's like this one pissed me off because it's like, oh, Deathstroke's here, and then you don't even get to see the actual fight or how Batman beats him. He has to well, turn the page, and he beat him.
1: Yeah,
0: he beats him by throwing a batarang into his eye. <laughs> yeah, apparently.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I... So and do and you some think,
0: little arrows or darts.
1: Do you think this sort of... St- the Thrust of that shot is that like Batman's maybe going a little too brutal.
2: Eleven times no, faster. No, I, I think it was. T- I think it was uh, Tinian imitating how King would have done it. Oh, like oh, King wouldn't even show the actual fight or the big thing that was supposed to be the payoff. He'd do some other thing. Except
1: I, <laughs> I hope Tinian's not writing thinking about Tom King. That's um, how it struck
2: me. This is a Tom King move. I'll do this.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, and maybe in the the structure of it. But do you think that like this shot of him <laughs> with the like Batarang and Deathstroke's eye and the arrows on? Him, like, do you think that we're implying that like with Alfred dead, Batman's kind of becoming more brutal?
2: Could be. I hadn't thought of that reading it, but yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. The
0: that Batarang was... in the eye is a nod to the Dark Knight returns oh is it yeah that's like the joker ends up with a batarang in his eye spoiler alert jeff i know know. you're gonna read that sometime. i've
1: seen the images i give it a 7.5 i think it's beautiful and i will read the next issue but there were parts of this one there was like two fifths of it that like if the series becomes more of that, like just under half Was kind of like okay if this is what it's going to be. I don't really want it, but there was a little more than half that I was, like when the person gets like the weird infection and like there's the thing speaking out of his body. I was like, that's cool. What's going on there? Who is that?
0: That was that was uh, James Tinian channeling Scott Snyder. Yeah, that that felt super Snydery to me. Yeah, sorry, Jimmy Tiv. Yeah, he can write his own stuff, but yeah, but he he has feelings of other creators to me every time I read it. I would also give it a seven and a half. Um, And what I hope is that the next issue ends in a cliffhanger that makes me want to read the issue after. Because I think that that's part of why I don't tend to really continue on his books throughout. Because I I read an issue and I'm like, oh, that was a full meal. And next month, I think I'm going to be in the mood
2: for a different kind of meal. I did like his new goofy bat, very bat motif, art deco bat grapple gun.
1: Me too. Tony Grapple Daniels does sort of hearken <laughs> back to a sort of Adam Westian yeah. Art Deco art style, which I like a lot. Yeah,
2: yeah, I like it too. It's totally goofy. There's no reason Bruce would waste money making a design like that. But
1: <laughs> so you know, better than it, better than I was worried it would be. Better than I kind of thought it was going to be.
0: Sell it, sell it. <laughs> okay, Jeff. Yeah, sell me this Batman comic. <clears throat>
1: Um, the art's gorgeous. Like, if you Uh are somebody who has like flexible income and like to to you looking at a gorgeous comic, is is you know worth the three or the four dollars for a book? Like, it's totally worth it for that regard. And it is Batman. Like, at worst, Batman doing Batman things is pretty cool. Um, if you're someone who really strives towards new concepts and you're on like a fixed budget or something, I don't know that this is necessarily the book for you, but it is a gorgeous Batman book, Lucius. I mean, Alfred, wait, no, Lucius.
0: <laughs> speaking of gorgeous. Oh,
1: so speaking of gorgeous, I had this awesome moment where like within the last two weeks you said something about like, yeah, like if it looks like it's Kelly Jones, but it's good, it's Kyle Hotz. Yeah. But Daphne Byrne, number one, by Laura Marks and Kelly Jones, has pretty gorgeous art.
0: Uh, this is the best Kelly Jones I've seen in a long time. and it I don't is. know if it's just because he's not drawing Batman, which I think is kind of rote for him. Yeah. Like he's he can just do Batman.
1: And it leans towards, um, like, a caricature, almost. Like, Batman's got yeah. a huge eye. Like, it's a little, I agree, it's a little bit. This, this time,
0: I'm going to add an inch to his ears. Yeah.
1: We'll see if anyone notices. And take his pupils out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Roman, what do you think of this one? This was a spooky book. This is from the Hill House books, the Black Label imprint at DC Comics.
2: I've been liking these mm-hmm. Hill House books. Um, this this was a nice surprise, like, uh, mainly because I didn't read the cover, so I didn't know Kelly Jones was the artist until um, I opened it. Me too. I opened it, and I was like, oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> and the first um, two pages are gorgeous <clears throat> Kelly Jones.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and I agree. It is It is really good Kelly Jones, though he does still have the same... The same thing sometimes with like the recurring characters, like this the main character Daphne in the girls' school. I I was totally confused about how how old she was as the issue progressed.
1: Yeah, the it visually, artistically, it she fluctuates from seeming like a junior high student to being like a twenty year old. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And
1: Would a, you forgive when you're looking at like super stylized, awesome art like that? Yeah, yeah. E- each panel is beautiful. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I like the setup. You know, her her emotional life. I mean, these really atmospheric scenes when she goes to the graveyard and talking to her father and 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 collapsed on his grave and everything was very uh, and poey.
1: Yeah, it's we follow this sort of young skeptical girl who's trying to reach out to her father who died, and she goes to his grave often to talk to him. And there's some creepy people in the town she's in, but her mother is convinced this medium has had the ability for she and her to talk to the ghost of her father and they go to the medium and and Daphne, the main character plays this awesome trick of like, well, do you remember this night that we did this thing? And the medium is like, yeah, I remember that. And she's like, I have to think about this star. And it was all a lie to, you know, convince to show that it was a cold reading and, you know, she, they were just being taken advantage of. And then some super spooky shit happens near the end.
0: I, yeah, I was ooked out. Throughout, which is exactly what you want from a horror comic. There were a couple of sequences that I wasn't exactly sure what was happening.
1: Yeah, the end of it got pretty confusing.
0: Yeah, well, it was kind of a dreamy thing. Yeah. And then when she wakes up, like, yeah, like, as you guys were talking, I was re-checking out the end of it, and it, it makes a little more sense now, but just on a first read, it's kind of weird. I love that her bed sheets are just partial skulls all over yeah. when she wakes up. Oh, I didn't up.
1: realize that, but there was, like, earlier in the issue, like, when they've got this woman, like, with the table, the art there, there's a skull oh, there. Oh, yeah, I hadn't like, noticed that. Like, there are skulls hidden throughout the book. So that, there's, like, this... That
0: woman is the little girl who's the lead.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and then mm. I don't know who Laura Marks is, but, like, three pages in, I was like, I like this writing. Like, it. Yeah. it's letting the visuals tell the story, and, yeah, I... I don't know. I, the the ending got a little bit confusing, but like the bit about pig's feet and the, them being sort of financially strapped at the time, and her not wanting to eat it, and then needing to sacrifice a pig at the end. Like there was some some creepy stuff. I thought it was well told and well paced. I don't, I, Laura Marks. I'm impressed with your with this first my introduction of your work.
0: And Michelle Madsen's killing it on the colors. Like, I can't yeah. imagine looking at the black and whites for these because he's yeah. he's done some really kind of wild intricate backgrounds for things Mm -hmm. and just the the way that uh he's a shadow yeah his shadows it's not quite to the level of um you know keith giffen's classic comics that i keep giving you jeffrey but it is uh i I can imagine trying to look at that as a colorist and and being a little bit intimidated and i think she's she's knocking it out of the park to use that that's a baseball term
1: I wouldn't know, but I
0: do love football. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's throwing a touchdown.
1: Pass. She sure is. Uh, Well, Roman, as the horror hound, what do you give Daphne Byrne number one? Laura Marks, Kelly Jones, Michelle Madsen.
2: I think I'll give it an eight. Okay. Yeah.
1: Do you, are you reading all of these Sea Dogs issues? Have you been reading all of the Hill House books enough I, to be able I to have think, read all those?
2: Yeah, I think so, because I think I've read all the Hill House issues. This
1: was chapter eight. How is that? Yeah, is it good? <clears throat> it's
2: pretty entertaining just because it, it's it's a funny gross pirate story okay no, it's not me. it's not deep it's not intellectual or political but it's fun
1: hmm. it's uh two pages at a time of a pirate book so it's got strong watchman vibes to me yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, it feels like they're trying to maybe capitalize on that new comic that just came out. Yeah, that the Watch, Watchmen. the Watch
1: Buddies. Yeah. Uh, I would give it a 7, mostly like I like the art and I like the story. I'm not sure how super interested I am, but I do think it was well done. I'm just uh not I'll probably check out the second issue. 7.5 I would say.
0: Yeah, I'll give it a 7 and I'll give it a 7.
1: Seven and a... A 7 and a none. Um speaking of nuns, did you read Marvel's X number 1 by Alex Ross, Jim Krueger and Welby?
0: Can I make a confession? Yeah. I've never read Marvels.
1: Even after the Infinity Content podcast?
0: <laughs> I didn't read it before or after the <laughs> Infinity Content podcast.
2: You've never read Marvels?
0: No. I think I have the issues.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've never read Marvels.
0: Oh, so what did you think of Marvel's X? Was it sassier? I have
1: no idea what this was going into it. And the cover... Didn't make any sense to me at all. Yeah, I didn't know what it was. It, yeah, it did, it did nothing to clarify. But there's a write-up at the end, and what this is is a prequel to Earth-X, which is mm. a sequel series to Marvels that Alex Ross and Jim Kruger were involved in.
0: So would you say Interquel?
1: Um, and that one is like a far-off future book. And the world is apparently like fucked, and everybody there's a bunch of mutants, and everybody has powers, and so this is a, a book that tells the sort of how the world got to that spot. There's a write up at the end about that. I read that at the end, where it was placed, and and then things made sense. But going through it, what I, I do I've read like two of the four issues that are Marvels, and and the epilogue. So I guess I've read more than half of it, but. Um, my, that is sort of a retelling of the origins of the Marvel Universe from the perspective of a, a reporter. <clears throat> and okay. it's gorgeous because Alex Ross is doing it. This is written by Alex Ross and Jim Krueger. And Alex Ross did a lot of the character design. And there's like sketches there. And what it felt like as I was reading it was kind of that same thing that Marvel's was of retelling a, a pivotal moment in the Marvel history... And in this, that pivotal moment would have been the introduction of the inhumans and the pterogen mist. Oh. And that is not quite exactly what this is. But it does it sound like that disease is the pterogen mist? Like they make they get
2: kind of forms it's a, around it. Them? It's a, yeah, it sound, yeah. Which I hadn't realized till you said that this afternoon. But yeah, it's that's basically the same thing that happened. <clears throat> um and happened more recently with like how Kamala Khan got her powers. Um, it's so like five six years ago so yeah this is kind of the same kind of thing but things aren't apparently aren't going as well as they did in and, the main marvel universe
1: and everybody who gets the disease gets some type of superpower so it kind of seems like everyone is an inhuman getting a but
2: yeah except like maybe i mean you don't know what happened the grandmother grand just apparently dies
1: but what i was really impressed with was like how much of a bummer it was like <laughs> how much I liked this character and how sad his situation was and his parents were killed and now he is caring for his grandmother and his sister who are both infected with this disease and he's trying to gather food for him and all they can eat is cereal and he just wants to go find the superheroes and they're like no they're dead or they're not there like they don't care and yeah it it made me feel bad in the way that like a good depressing movie makes you feel bad
0: it's like marvel's the road
1: kind <laughs> of or like marvel's requiem for a dream or something but <laughs> it it's obviously not alex ross art but the art is is totally fine yeah it's not bad
2: yeah i it, it, i mean it's wasn't what i was expecting at all but yeah it works well for this the story of this poor, lonely kid going through this terrible trauma and losing everything. Did Alex Ross write Earth X?
0: And did he write Marvels? Or was I he didn't write Marvels? Marvels was, was out. Um, Kurt Busiek. Kurt, yeah. Kurt
2: Busiek. Yeah, I don't know if he wrote. I never read Earth X. I never read Earth X,
0: I X I think either. Earth X was maybe Mark
1: Wade. It might be, or it might. I think it actually yeah, is Ross. I don't Ross think it was. I would have read it. If okay. It was,
2: yeah, I would have read it if it was Mark Wade.
1: Yeah, oh. knowing that this is. And I guess it makes sense. It's Marvel's X. So it's the thing between Marvel's and Earth X. Right. Uh, I, I think that they, they're they also releasing these one shots called Marvel that are different creative teams. The the production and, and advertising for this whole thing is a little bit confusing. And it's getting muddled with some other Marvel things that are coming out. But all in all, a pretty effective issue, especially if you've read Marvel's and Earth X and really liked those stories.
2: Um. I liked it. I mean, it, it totally wasn't anything I was expecting. So I was a little thrown off, but I like this main character. I felt for him. I'm curious how he's going to survive. Um <clears throat> But he yeah, I, it didn't it didn't have the uh the um, I guess the emotional connection I was expecting because I love Marvels. Um
1: <laughs> I just assumed it was a reference I didn't get. Well, what do you give it, Roman? Ah,
2: uh, man, I'll give it a I'll give it a 7. Oh. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. I'll go to 7 also. I.
2: Yeah. 7X. Oh.
1: I really did. I liked. I was surprised by liking, you know, some of the comics I liked this week. I, yeah. I liked some things quite a bit. Um,
0: it was a weird week. Like, there wasn't anything that I was super, super, super pumped to read, but there was a lot of pretty good comics.
1: And also, I'm kind of worried about DC. <clears throat> like, the last, like, two or three weeks, there has not been DC books.
0: Well, they. I think they took two weeks off. Okay, DC yeah. basically took two weeks off, and all all their main releases came out in 2019. Yeah,
1: because there was that huge week three weeks ago that was like Last Night on Earth and Wonder Woman: Dead Earth and Smash Doomsday Klan, Clock. Doomsday Clock. Yeah, it so was... was a huge one. Uh, Django, you got a little back-to-back moment here.
0: Oh gosh. Well, I'll see if I can compare and contrast. Um, dying is easy. Page two has a dude's butt.
1: Okay. That it, seems like a, a seven Django and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a um, Django book, rather, not jingle but, butt. You know.
0: I uh, I, I really like the first issue of this.
1: Which Jeff is telling you we didn't talk about on the podcast, but Roman and Django both seem to think that they did. So Maybe tell us. Just give, us so a, give, give us a shout out. Give us a shout out at the whole series just so in case we didn't.
0: It's a comedian who's an ex cop. The first issue has him doing his comedy bit, and then one of his comedy buddies asks if he'll kill somebody for him, and he's kind of like, aha, uh-huh, yeah, and then he, he goes into the alley with a dude and comes back out and then wakes up to find out that the the guy that he went in the alley with had been murdered, and he drowned in three inches of water. And so um, this issue is kind of him trying to track down the mystery. Some cops come to to take him in for questioning, and he escapes through his neighbor's Prostitutes oh. um, room and you know goes to a pawn shop with no shoes on because he escaped from the cops with no shoes and ends up on roller skates chasing down the dudes who probably killed the guy in the first issue and uh, he's like on roller skates holding onto their pickup truck and having a fight with them it's it's pretty funny like the 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 whole visual style is a little bit frantic it feels a little bit like um, Crank or Crank too High Voltage.
1: Well, the art's really interesting. It's kind of Bill Sienkiewicz-y.
0: It is it is a little sienkiewicz
1: If you will. Yeah. But what I think is more as interesting as the art is the tone. The first issue, which this is written by Joe Hill.
0: Joe Hill with Martin Simmons on art.
1: So Joe Hill, we love, you know, Jenga loves him. Mm-hmm. Uh, lock and Key. And the tone of that first issue was a little bit like, I don't know, just like, Joe, that's not. You don't say that anymore. Like, there's well, some pretty <clears throat> like derogatory towards women stuff in the first issue. Yeah, yeah. And, and, but it. I think he's aware enough that that would have been there with a purpose. I just watched
0: Seven the other night, uh-huh. and as I was watching it, I was thinking about how you don't see movies like that anymore. Like S- confirmed
1: and I have you seen Seven. Yeah, back when it came out. Okay.
0: Yeah, and, and when it came out, it was kind of in the middle of a bunch of similar sort of movies. And I think that um, David Fincher is really good at making these types of movies because the only flick that I could think of that has the same kind of bleakness and grittiness that I've seen in the last 10 years was Gone Girl, which is also Fincher. also Fincher and super dark and kind of like there's nobody to really like and there's not a lot of hope in it. Mm -hmm. And other than that, like I can't think of any recent movies that feel that way. And it just kind of made me think about how we've sort of lost the creative uh, impetus to make that kind of movie. And I, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but I think it's, I think that stories can suffer if they can't have a character who is kind of shitty without mm-hmm. getting dumped on. I totally so, agree. Like, That's a really good point. having this guy in the first issue be super crass, a little bit sexist, like, telling bad jokes, he's a fucking comedian. So to have this guy go up and tell a bunch of jokes that are, like, marginally funny, they would have been a lot funnier 25 years ago before we kind of learned to not be dickheads to everybody. Um, I don't have a problem with characters being flawed and having those conversations. Um so I, I didn't have any any problem with the first issue this issue tones that back a lot mm-hmm. and he's just he like you see him a little more as like a hapless bumbling lucky dude on the run yeah. um I would give this book a seven and a half I'd also like to say that like I don't think this guy is the bad guy and right. I think that that like the objectionable stuff in the first issue is setting you up to just see that he's not uh he's he's not a perfect guy he's right. not he's not a good guy person necessarily he's kind of a dirtbag but you're gonna follow him
1: and then the next one is white ash which i read (laughs) half of
0: yeah yeah i thought you might bail no i ran out of time buddy (laughs) uh charlie stickney wrote it with connor hughes uh on illustrations and letters and finn cram on colors so this is one part kind of vampire running away with a hot chick from a small town and one part, this guy who's getting ready to leave the town and leave his dad behind, uh, and his dad is a uh, works in in the coal mines. And it's just like the character work in this is really good, and that like the vampire stuff is completely separate from the coal miner stuff for most of it. Um, I really like the the characters, like the blatant sexuality of the young handsome lawn maintenance dude. Doing work for the look at him like uh basically it's basically like handsome ripped Archie trimming the hedges of Mr. Lodge and and Veronica flirting with Archie.
1: I like coal mining setups like
0: the coal mining stuff is really interesting like there's a really tender moment when the when the Archie Archie guy is getting ready to leave town and he says he's he's going off to college and he's like, dad, i'm I'm going to college, you know, be nice if you if you said bye and the dad says something kind of shitty, like, you know, I think you're better than me. And his friends tell him, dude, just your kids going to college, go give him a hug. And they, they have a nice moment there. Um, which also leads into, you know, some, some visual keys later. Um, I just thought it was a, a a really solid, small book. It's from scout comics and, uh, it's got a good cliffhanger. I'm interested in the next issue. Um, and like, dude, vampires underground working working in the coal mines?
1: That's pretty cool. I there's some cool stuff. Like the second half of this looks better than the first half.
0: Yeah. The the first half was a little a little uninteresting to me.
1: And there was moments that overlapped with Dracula. Dracula. Which I had finished about thirty minutes beforehand. Oh right. I, was,
0: I would give this uh seven and scout comics, man. Shout out every every time I read one of their books. I don't read I don't read everything they put out, but everything I read that they put out is good.
1: Yeah. Um. Now, Django, is it all right with you if we take the the spotlight off of you for a minute? Yeah. We talk talk about Firefly.
0: No. Oh, I thought we were going to continue my role. Oh no, no. No, no, no! Never mind. You numbered the books. We can't mix it up.
1: <laughs> hey, buddy, I can cut them out, and you know we can go one, three, five, seven, six, four, two, one. No, I
0: want to hear from Roman. I'm, I want. I'm more to interested also. in what so Roman has. Fucking to say love that. what I, that have to say. I what I'm word? talking? It's just kind of just me. I already know what I'm gonna say before it's, I say it. like, I, like eating lasagna on and then
1: throwing up lasagna like, and eating it yeah, again. It's just like my palm cat? hurts. It's like one of my best friends stabbed me. You know what, it's a good thing this happened to me and not you, because if I had your ego, I would be convinced that I'm God and this is stigmata. <laughs>
0: it's it is stigmatish, for sure. Stigmatish. And,
1: ladies and gentlemen. Star number one. By Roman Statler. Kelly Thompson. <laughs> and some gorgeous art inside who the art I was actually Javier Pina and Philippe Andrade. That makes sense. I love Andrade's art, but he clearly didn't do all of it. He did that first page though.
2: No. I didn't even notice that it switched. It did. Um I was the only one that read this? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, Star is a spinoff character from Captain Marvel from that series. I didn't read, but I read this. Um, just curious about who she is, what what's going on.
1: And and you love Marvel. You've Django's our DC guy. You're our Marvel guy.
2: Sure. DC except Deathstroke.
1: And and I I was sort Marvel of joke, uh, Joking, pushing people in corners. <laughs> I love that little thing you guys just did.
0: Can you put me a box in this corner?
1: Absolutely. But in seriousness, I do love that you always check in with kind of – if a new character is showing up in the Marvel Universe, like, you check it. You're like, all right, got to check and see what you're doing with my world.
2: Yeah, I usually do. I mean, I wasn't going to, but I kind of flipped it open and saw Titania, you know, looking, Black Bolts, looking very, very Amazonian and threatening. I was like, okay, that looks cool. And they get in a bar fight, of course. Um, Star is having all sorts of kind of identity issues and stuff. Apparently – the end of her storyline and Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel like killed her, punched a hole in her chest. Um, but then she came back from that because she has the reality stone of the infinity stones embedded in her body. Don't know why she doesn't know why she doesn't know how to control it. Where in her body, like in the forehead, like vision? I, no, I think it's in her chest. There's a scene earlier where there's kind of this glow coming from her chest. Okay. Um,
1: like Iron Man. And that would make sense yeah. because Captain Marvel seems to punch a hole through her chest.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she goes to the bar because she's like, doesn't know what to do. I mean, she's lost her job and everything because of all this stuff. Picks a fight with Titania. Yeah, there's it starts glowing there. Gets in a bar fight, good old-fashioned bar fight. Loki shows up.
1: Um, As Loki is wont to do. Yeah.
2: And he's able to like maybe remove the stone, get it for himself. A bunch of stuff happens. Um, and she apparently kills him.
1: Sure. And I the, bet Loki's dead. And that's only Probably. the first yeah, that's only the first <laughs> Probably. half.
2: Of, that's only the first half of the issue. And then just and that's what got me to read it. Jessica Jones is in it. She's star studded. Star studded, yes. Yes. Um and there's just some mystery behind her and I don't know why cuz I thought at the beginning it says um most of the stones they don't know the whereabouts, but I thought like Wolverine gave one to the Black Widow or
1: something and Gosh, um, I guess yeah. After the Infinity Wars thing by Gary Duggan, I'm not sure where they all ended up. Yeah.
2: So it was a fun read. It's it's the mystery is kind of interesting. This star character, her powers, just the fact she can't really control them, that's kind of cool. The only thing I didn't like very end spoilers: Scarlet Witch shows up and and the writer um, does a thing with her where she just has Scarlet Witch saying some things that Wanda doesn't talk like that. What are you going to give that Roman? Oh. He I thought he gave it. No, did sorry. I? I don't think I did. Uh, I'll give it a I'll give it 8 stars.
1: What? <laughs> That's cute. Remember when we used to do that? Yeah, we do stars. We just we do whatever. whatever, That was when Braden was around. Whatever tied into the book. Maybe Justin really did that.
0: Justin was good at that. Justin's good at everything. He is.
1: I read *Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles* 101, kind of out of nowhere. Braden was saying that uh, Sophie Campbell was taking over as the writer for this, where Kevin Eastman had been writing the first hundred issues of it. Now he's just a story consultant.
0: He was really writing it, writing it.
1: I believe so. I think wow. he and the other writer credited were writing it. Okay. For 100 um, issues? When this wow. re-numbering of the series started, it was a big deal because Eastman was writing it again. Okay. Um, and I was kind of reading it because so many books this week were like Marvel heavy and I just figured, okay, I got to read some <clears throat> other stuff. And, like I said, Braden was excited about this because he's a fan of Sophie Campbell, who wrote Wet Moon, which is an Oni-printed uh, graphic novel series that has won a lot of awards and yeah. is, is super popular. I really liked this Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 101. I didn't read any of the 100 issues leading up to it, but I know the Turtles, and I've read most of the first issues that have come out of different turtle series.
0: Well, this is a jumping-on point, too, right? Like, with, with a writer change?
1: Yeah, I suppose. Um, spoilers for everybody for the last issue, which I didn't read, but Splinter dies. Mm. And we have this release, and this crazy thing has happened. where in New York. A bunch of people have been turning into mutant animals, and they've quarantined a big area of the city. And it's been closed off. And then we do a six-month jump in the future. And it is just like 10 or 12 pages of Donatello writing journal entries <laughs> about where everybody is. And it is really, really great storytelling. Um, I'm really impressed with what Sophie Campbell was able to do there. I don't know if that's all her, if some of this character work was established going into it, but, like, Donatello is my favorite, but Raph has this adorable, like, dinosaur named Pepperoni that he hangs out with, and he's, like, bailed on the turtles, and he's out being a jerk badass. Leo's bailed on being a leader, and he's just been having a greenhouse for, like, several months. Michelangelo has a cat that all he cares about is protecting his cat as a way of sort of dealing with his stress about losing Shredder. Splinter. Splinter, thank you. There's they do a fan and like there's this cool wolf character that had been introduced earlier in the RUM that's running this shelter that gives food to people who've been turned into mutants in this quarantined area in New York, and then Jenica, the newer uh lady turtle that has showed up. We spend most of the issue with her, and she's a total badass. And then, you know, she makes friends with this other person. And the second half was not quite as compelling, but they, I'm just really impressed with how much they made me feel and care about these characters that have always been floating around my life. Like, yeah. you always kind of know the turtles, and uh, yeah, it, it made me care about them. It made me want to read more. It made me didn't feel like I was like l- losing out by jumping on here, but it made me like really want the turtles to be okay, and uh. And that loss of like Splinter and then like Roth's adorable pepperoni dinosaur who's like waving and is super cute, juxtaposed with his, his like total dick nature. Um yeah, it's it's really well drawn and well told. And if you have any casual interest in the mutant ninja turtles, the teenage mutant ninja turtles in fact.
0: Uh, I think they got to be in their late thirties by now.
1: Yeah, that's true. The the middle age. Well, well, the but, Roman age.
2: Turtle, turtles age really slowly.
1: Oh, that's true. They're much older than At humans. Least some turtles. So in the
2: years are years. <laughs> no, dog years are
1: seven to one. Turtles, it's one to ten.
2: Oh, yeah. There's some sea turtle that's like the oldest creature on the earth. Absolutely. His name's like, Mortimer. Yeah. Yeah, 170 years or something.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. Fine. They're teenagers.
1: But anyway, that one. I really liked that. Super glad Brayden was excited about it because it got me to read it. I give that one an 8.5. I think it's a really, really good, really good comic. And if you're at all aware of Wet Moon or The Turtles, people should check it out.
2: Do you think Splinter's really dead?
1: And then I just also want to talk briefly about uh, Venom number 22 by Donnie Cates. We've been talking about Donnie Cates' great work on Thor. Absolute Carnage was a little bit of a miss. The Venom stuff has really dropped off, except for some things. Uh, I don't want to spoil too much on here, but some really cool stuff happens in this. If you weren't happy with how Absolute Carnage ended, um, well, fuck it. No, I'm not going to spoil it. But there's some Carnage symbiote floating around in the world, and Eddie Brock loses a hand. If you're at all familiar with that storyline from the 90s where Venom tried to kill Spider-Man on an island, and then Spider-Man faked his own death. It's that famous cover of like Venom holding the skull that he's making fun of, the Horatio thing.
0: That's also the first appearance of Venom's green, drippy spit, and uh, which Donny Cates retroactively made his experiment.
1: But he he thought he killed Spider Man and then he tried to live on this island forever until absolute carnage happened or maximum carnage happened and he left the island. So in this, Eddie Brock has gone back to this island and he's trying to hunt down the carnage symbiote that's there and. He's like hidden, he like lived on this island for months and months. He's hidden all these ammunitions and clothing and weapons and stuff on the island. He's like totally weaponized this island. And uh it's it's really pretty rad. Um his kid has got some bad connection with Carnage and it, it was a step in the right direction for the Donny Cates Venom book, which has languished a little bit in the last year as he's had his focus on other things. So I mean, he's, he's been a busy boy. He has. They're working him hard, as Marvel is wont to do, when you do anything <clears throat> good once.
0: Is, does Mark Bagley have a contractual obligation to draw a certain number of the uh venom or
1: carnage no stories. i bet that donny cates was super pumped i bet he was like sweet i get to work with mark bagley who did that original like a bunch of that original stuff and like is you know i think that's probably cooler for donny cates than it is maybe for readers yeah but, um you know he it has more of an uh ultimate spider-man feel than it does like okay. some of his other work like it yeah it's it's not it didn't make me super sick look, looking at it what Roman, do you give it Oh, uh, I would give the Venom issue an 8. Okay. It like it it had a couple really cool moments. He,
0: I like I like the way he loses his hand. Yeah, he That's cuts his own cool. hand off. Yeah. It's bad. Yeah.
1: So Firefly, The Outlaw Ma Reynolds number 1. Both of you guys read this? Yes. I read it. Yep. Get it.
0: Yep, yep, yep. Are you current with the with the main series, Roman?
1: I'm not.
2: I was going to ask you about some some timeline stuff. Well, I'm not current with the main series,
0: <laughs> no, but I really enjoyed the first four or five issues that I read. It felt true to the characters. The art is super kind of – it's rough, like not in a bad way, just in a – there are some lines here that got inked that maybe should have just stayed pencils. Hmm. Um, But all the characters are written – true to the series true yeah. to the tv show yeah and that's what's really impressed me just generally about the firefly comics like when they were at dark horse they were super spot on yeah. and uh these ones were excellent. this i think kind of i don't know if this wipes out the dark horse stuff or if it's just telling a totally different story but th- they're like also spot on in this and this one tells the story of mal growing up uh with kind of a kind of a broken angry mother um who obviously also still loves him and isn't afraid to do outlaw things in order to keep her family alive, and then at the same time he's been hired by, I think by the, what's the, the federation or whatever. Well, like isn't
2: that's what I was going to ask you about? Because isn't he? I got the impression for this he's a captive of the alliance.
0: Yeah, and I think that must have happened in the main series that's going on, yeah, and guess. this is happening in between. Now so. I think
2: about it, I did read like the first storyline in that where it was during the war yeah yeah
0: yeah and this one has this this is like he they let him out of jail if he goes and captures this outlaw and he's our. He's, yeah. he's like all right cool and they're like the outlaw is your mom he's like oh god damn it i mean go ram it <laughs> um and then they team him up with the woman from the the main series who had a big beef with him originally
2: See, I don't, was she in the show
0: Oh, okay. I I didn't remember this. Okay. I didn't remember this woman. Yeah. The show didn't have the budget for like a robotic woman. Yeah. For a cyborg. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But this is, I mean, this is kind of a fluffy story. But I I thought that there were some really nice scenes of uh, parenting in the Wild West.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It really felt like, I mean, she really felt like, okay, this is Mal Reynolds' mom. Yeah. I mean, she had that hard edge and, and, all that that fits with the whole the whole Firefly universe
0: yeah and at, at the end he's he's now the sheriff to be continued in Firefly 13
2: yeah and I like, I like that yeah and I like the kind of the politics um of resources and stuff behind the reason that she's in her situation and everything yeah. and why he left home and
0: yeah but it's like it's it's a real standard Western yeah tale on on both sides. The, the past, they're on a Western planet, and the present, she's an outlaw being hunted by a, a makeshift sheriff.
2: Yeah, there was one. There, yeah, there was one point when uh, I don't know, they they mention uh, terraforming or something, and it kind of was jarring for me because it reminded me, oh yeah, this is also science fiction. Because I'd gotten so yeah. into the Western aspect of it. Well,
0: that's like that's what I loved about the TV show is that it's just it's such a straight up Western, and then at yeah. the same time, super sci-fi. Yeah, and like, you know, when, when ships crash, you feel the gravity in, in on the show. And I, I think, you know, the, the characters with lots of heart and lots of quippy quippy quips at each other. That that <laughs> stuff was fun. <laughs> but what I really like is that, you know, Mal is a goddamn cow I mean, a Garam cowboy.
1: <laughs> garam Did
0: you watch that show, Jeff? Yeah. Yeah. Did you love it? No. Did you no? No. Did you watch all the whole thing or I just did. yeah? Yeah. I watched the movie first with Dan Brooks, mm-hmm. friend of the show. Dan no, Brooks. We need another tagline. DB. DB. Dan Brooks, Django Born. Database guy. Database. Dan Brooks. Dan Space. The database. <laughs> anyway, we he, he was like, oh, we got to go watch this movie. And we went and saw it. And I had no idea that it was part of a longer series until after the movie. He was like, oh, yeah, there's 13 episodes that come before this.
1: <laughs> I think the movie is my favorite bit of that universe.
0: Yeah. Well, it's all compressed. Yeah. You know. Anyway, I thought this was pretty good. Um, as just a straight up comic, I'd give it probably a a six. Uh, as a Firefly fan, I would probably give it a seven and a half or an eight. I like seeing Mal, baby Mal. <laughs> it's like getting to, getting to see baby Darth
1: Vader, you know. Ooh, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And Hayden yeah. Christensen at the same time, very yeah. hot boy. Hay-
2: Hayden Christian Anderson. Yeah, it's right in between baby oh. Yoda and baby Darth Vader. Oh, yeah. baby Mal yeah. Reynolds. Yeah, I think I, I think I'd probably give it a six and a half. Seven, right in there. I'll, I'm definitely going to read number two. Did you watch the whole series? Oh, yeah. And the movie? Yeah. And have you read yeah. the Dark Horse in, comics? In order. Um, all of them up into Well, actually, yeah. All of all of them and the first storyline of this like latest boom series.
1: I assumed all three of us read this, but Django, this is a, such a Django book. And I, t- I, I texted the two of you guys about this the last issue as well, which I think was like four or five weeks ago. But I was oh, like, yeah. this issue is so good. And then this issue made me text Jango and Roman about how fucking good it is. Okay.
0: Let me tell you what kind of slowed me down. I think, I feel like it was advertised as a five issue series. It
1: may have been.
0: And then we got a sixth issue, which was that awesome one we talked about on the live podcast. Yeah. And I didn't read anything after that. Like I loved every issue leading up to it. That Like it's big, dumb kind of Donny Cates style, Gary, yeah. Jerry Duggan. Um, But like, I don't know. I just wasn't ready for that much of a commitment or something, and I I sort of dropped off.
1: I think these issues have been a lot better than the first half.
2: Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed the first half, but it's just been getting better and better.
1: Yeah, Yeah. is Gath still in it? Yeah, he was gone. He he came back, and this one is called "The Death of Kulan Gath."
2: Kulan Gath. Kulan
1: Gath and one thirst.
2: Which I gotta admit, he's kind of a kind of He's kind of a great villain. I forgot how I l- great he is. I didn't know him at all, and I yeah. love and him. And I'd in forgotten this. that, like, Conan, one of them, Him or Kulan Gath, refers to the time that back in the Hyborian age when Conan beheaded him, killed him, one of those times. And he just keeps coming back. He's one of those just great, stupid villains that, you know, you never defeat him, really.
1: But in this one, like, we'd be getting this weird, like, Doctor Strange, Conan, Doctor Doom buddy trifecta. And it works so well because. Doctor Doom has this deep respect for Doctor Strange. Yeah. But Conan does not respect either of them.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and it's so great cuz normally I reading this I was thinking, you know, if this is the old days they would have Conan like the lot of panels of him in the background going "Crom" being totally amazed by these magics and stuff. And it's so great that this Conan, he's not impressed. He doesn't care. He's just like, ah, you stupid sleepy wizard. Maybe I should have
1: given a little (laughs) bit more credit to the wizard. Yeah, that's the one time. Yeah. (laughs) There's this awesome moment where Doctor Strange has been gone for a couple pages, and Conan's like, oh, we're dealing all this shit, and, like, oh, the cowardly wizard disappeared. And Doctor Doom says, fine. If Strange has abandoned us, it is with good reason. Protect his body. Doom commands it. And, like, That is so Dr. Doom, like for him to have this awareness, it made me think about Roman, in that this book is different from other things, because this alludes to this rich history of these characters interacting. Yeah. So Mm. even while Dr. Doom and Dr. Strange are opponents, Dr. Doom has had enough experience with Dr. Strange to know that if he's abandoned us, it's for a good reason, and we need to protect his body. And it speaks to this like, Deep awareness of the richness of history with these characters, and that is not as often represented as just the sort of one-dimensional like good guy, bad guy thing. And this book is just all over hilarious like that. <laughs> just flipping through that, it, it it's so funny. It's funny. It is.
2: It, it is. And and right mm. after that, the next panel after Doom commands it, Conan's like, "I'm not going to protect your sleepy wizard or whatever." but <laughs> <a> sleepy wizard. <laughs> But all these things will have to go through me to get to him, so he's kind of saying well, okay without actually ever admitting that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I the, like love in
0: it. the in the beginning where he gets his hand like Kulan Gath gets his hand cut off and then he sends his severed hand <laughs> to choke Conan. Right. That's that's like Genius
1: slapstick in a very oh yeah serious it's genius situation. slapstick it's just like
2: Evil Dead that yeah. hand
1: is choking him and Doctor Strange says what's well, good I'm not only the Sorcerer Supreme I'm also a surgeon and then he removes the hand from it
2: like it's using Conan's null null possessed
1: sword yeah it's it's fucking brilliant and then what I loved is that Doctor Doom has sent sent for this satellite thing, and he's like, yeah, people in America think what I'm doing with my defense budgets in Latveria is insane, and this rocket shows up as Doctor Strange is basically almost dead from casting this huge spell, and what is in this thing that crashes is the Iron Man suit that Doctor Doom had in the Bendis run infamous Iron Man from like two years ago, and we haven't seen it since then, and it comes out of it, and it latches onto Doctor Strange to keep him alive. Because it thought he was Tony Stark.
2: Yeah, and it... It def- well, it's funny. But, and it's yeah. great because it yeah, defibrillates him, him and does all this stuff to save his life.
1: And then it's the, the first appearance of the Iron Mage, <laughs> which is Doctor Strange Iron Man. Oh, my God. And it's the
2: classic Strange right. logo. The, which is
1: not on that costume
0: yeah. before it goes on him, but it is. The first five issues, it was what? Conan and, and Punisher. Yeah, Diodato was great, but, mm. but it was like all this stuff that I don't really like i don't like the conan world if you get, if you tell me there's going to be maybe a giant snake in a comic it's certainly not going to make me move it closer to the next comic <laughs> i read and they had giant snakes they had conan they had cool and gath
1: oh yeah and like and all,
0: all these like half deal breakers for me but the writing and like the overbearing seriousness and voices that he had for each character were great. And just, like, reading the first four pages or whatever while you, you were talking, like, it's so spot on.
1: Yeah, it uh, it's it seems to give me what Roman and you have talked about liking in Conan. It's like, it's a giant snake and stuff. And this is the best use of Conan for me, which is put him deeply in the Marvel stuff. Yeah. And just let him be the outsider to the absurdity that is Marvel Universe. And hey, everyone should hey, check this book out, even if you don't think you give a shit about Conan or this super... Like, if you're 162 episodes into the podcast, you know that Jeff is not, like, super testosterone guy. And it it really rubs me the right way.
0: I love how he, like, he calls him the, what, the sleepy magician. Yeah. And then later he calls him the small magician. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, Conan's so big yeah. and strong. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's a great, great book. I give this issue a nine. Like, it's just, it's stupid fun. It's, it's stupid how fun it is.
2: Yeah. 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 Um, boy. You know, just because of our reactions and everything to this oh, and no. how much fun we're having.
1: Oh, with oh no. I think this. Oh, yep, no. Yep, yep.
2: By Crom. Oh, he's be my dropping pen. a, g-
1: a coolin' <laughs> Gath gooey duck on the table. Oh God! Do you smell that? It smelled like fresh. No, it smells like fucking cephalopods and fish. A gooey gath. A gooey gath. Oh!
2: It earns ten of Crom's bones. Oh Oh, God! I fucking hate you, Crom.
1: (laughs) Um, Crom, Crom, Crom. Well, I'm glad that it got it, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Oh, Marsha, Marsha, (laughs) Marsha. And with that, here we are. We're at the end of this long road. Thank you for journeying on it with us. Um, Django, who are you? What?
0: I'm Django Jeff. Diego. Roman, who are you? I'm 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 Jeff. Roman. Oh fuck this! Roman. Sucks. No, I'm Roman. I'm sorry. I'm Roman. I did this. You're right. That
1: was me. Everybody, I'm sorry. <laughs> Jeff? Yeah. Who are you? Jeff. Jeff. Hey, um, you can get a hold of us by calling one six one nine six six three seven three three six at any hour of the day. If you're yeah. awake at three o'clock in the morning because yeah, uh, you can't sleep and something's on your mind, call that. No one will answer, but one of us will get that message eventually.
0: We haven't had. Enough call-ins. And I know that we went through a period where we got call-ins and didn't use them all. It was a confusing time in our lives. It and was. We, we miss it. Um, I would love to have a three-hour podcast where we just get lost answering one phone call.
1: <laughs> we did that one time. Well, not the one phone call. We did a three-hour podcast with all Q&A at one point, though. Oh, it was the good. The good old days. The good old days. It was only like several months ago, but...
0: Also, we have a sister podcast. We do. Infinity content. Yeah. You have to subscribe to it separately, um, but...
1: Roman is on that oh, every, God, episode, Roman, right? every episode. Roman every, every episode. God, yep. he's
0: the podcast
1: king. If you I know I want to be on two podcasts.
0: All right. All right. Let's yeah, Let's do another podcast. Jeff, let's commit right now. Yeah.
1: That's what we always do and then I have to delete it. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what I do. Coward. <laughs> I am that. Um
0: Let's do a podcast about databases. You and me. We can bring Dan Brooks on every once in a while. I I saw saw your Excel work for the waiver wire. Oh, man, I
1: love Excel. (laughs) Um, Okay, everybody, thanks so much. We'll see you next week for 163. You're all amazing and beautiful, and come visit us at the store. We miss you hopefully there's gonna be more DC books of quality in the future not that Jimmy T. didn't do a great be. job but yeah. I'm sure they will Yeah, I love DC
0: oh they'll be back they'll be back next week you're gonna be drowning in DC yep. you're gonna be like why aren't we talking about enough Marvel comics oh, right. mean, you remember last week okay and then you're gonna say but we don't have any Marvel signs in our window and I'll be like all you right, know they don't make them they don't make week. enough Marvel signs it's just like I look for them but looking
2: forward to a week on. when we just have all Dark Horse movies oh okay. cool. Uh, So when
0: you walk in and you smell dust, it's probably Jeff making we, it smell like dust oh, and
2: blaming it on me.
1: Oh, why, my, 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 I don't believe so at all. Yeah,
2: we, we don't need to break it down who does, who makes what smells. Oh, oh it's because well, yeah. he knows where that's going to end. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Alright, fish boy.
1: Yeah. Uh, every fish week gravy. we talk
0: about comics, we read them, and we review them. I
1: already did all that jackass. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I thought you were mad at Roman, and then it turned on a dime. <laughs> <laughs> when I called you a jackass, which was very good because I never say the phrase jackass. Um, but Roman was drinking and he almost spit, and then he patted me on the shoulder.
0: He was apologizing for making you mad.
1: Listen, I gotta get on his butt. good side right away. Uh-huh. Um,
0: oh, you can just edit it out. You can fix the thing that I said, right? The thing that was wrong. The bautza? I don't know. Whatever. Whatever you just yelled at me for last. The, the
2: batza. <laughs>